If you didn't quite keep your 2020 resolutions last year to get out more, spend more time with friends and family, or run the marathon, I don't think anybody would blame you. But with alarming statistics from debt charities, high street banks, and life and pension providers alike showing there's been a rise in household debt, excluding mortgages, over the year of COVID, as well as an increase in unemployment levels to 2.6 million, it's clear that something needs to be done about our money resolutions. People who have enjoyed a decent income in recent years should have also enjoyed a decent level of savings. But research shows that the average amount put away each year by Britons is £6,500, with one third of the UK having 600 or less to live on should the worst happen. Clearly, this isn't enough to pay the mortgage for long should unemployment or long-term sickness strike. So why aren't we saving enough? Here to talk about making good money resolutions in 2021 and sticking to them is a panel of experts from across the financial services industry. With me, Simone Kuriaku, Senior Editor of FT Advisor, is Jason Green, Head of Workplace Research for FTRC, Benefits Guru, Annabelle Brody-Smith, Communications Director at the Association of Investment Companies, Robert Gardner, Director of Investments at St. James's Place, and Ewan Edwards, Commercial Director at Aldermore Bank. Welcome all. Annabelle, can I start with you? Given the events of last year, what money resolutions ought people to be making and sticking to in 2021? Well, Simony, it really was 2020, a very challenging year. And it was a year where the unexpected sadly happened. So I think a major resolution has to be to be prepared for the unexpected next year. So it is time to actually put aside that money Put aside your three, at least three to six months cash for emergency funds, but also do all those things that you've been putting off. Make that will. Get on top of that paperwork. Find out what's going on with your pension and actually start saving. And once you've got that cash buffer, then you need to look at what you're saving on. So, for example, you could save in the stock market. So something like an investment company is a way to save. You get access to the stock market, but you have a professional fund manager choosing your investments. And I think, you know, listeners might be put off because they've seen that it's been a very volatile year for markets. But actually, the average investment company is up 11%. And over the long term, you know, this short-term volatility doesn't really matter. Over the long term, over 10 years, it's up 175%. So people really need to start getting prepared for the future. Mm, Absolutely. Now, you mentioned paperwork. Um, Obviously, in, in the workplace, we get a lot of paperwork. And people don't always look to see sort of what benefits they've got or how much they could be putting aside. Jason, could you sort of talk us through this? Yeah, I think it's, you know, understanding your finances is is the key to this, I think. A lot of people are worried or scared to actually take a deep dive and understand where their money's going every month. Most people have a a basic understanding of what their income is each month and what their fixed outgoings are. And we all have a rough idea of what sort of money we have left over each month then as disposable income. But I think people need to drill down into that a bit more. And the workplace, I think, is the ideal environment to start doing that. Obviously, now that everyone has a pension due to auto-enrolment, most pension providers are very attuned now to delivering financial wellness propositions alongside their pension offering. There are some great companies that are leading the way already. 
um, out there, and most of the other pension providers have this high on their agenda for 2021. So I think it's a, being able to be provided with tools and services that come up perhaps alongside your workplace pension that can help you really understand where you're spending your money and what you have left. You know, technology's advanced so much over the last sort of three to five years in this area. You know, you can't really even go on social media these days without getting some kind of targeted ads coming at you about savings apps and budgeting tools and so forth. I would say embrace them. If you're going to do anything to kickstart your resolution for being in a better financial health for 2021, the starting block is firstly understand where your money is and what you're doing with it. There are loads of tools to help with that now. So, Rob, do you agree with that, that people need to sort of really just start kick-starting their pension savings and, and just basically get down to uh, get down to basics, look at how much is going out and how much is coming in each month? So I absolutely agree with everything that's been said uh, by Jason and Annabelle. And, and look, as you know, I'm, I'm a big on financial education and, and I've written a children's book, Save Your Acorns. And, and, and the, the thing I like to teach young people is three things to long-term wealth creation and prosperity. You need to earn it, you need to keep it, and you need to grow it. And so what Annabelle and Jason were talking about was the importance of keeping hold of it. And if you haven't, there's a brilliant video on YouTube and Instagram about Shaq O'Neal, where he talks about the first time he earned a million dollars, and then he didn't realize he had to pay tax. And he mm -hmm. went out and bought a Mercedes for himself, and then for his dad, and then for his mom. And before you knew it, he was 80 grand in debt. So keeping hold of your money is actually really, really hard. And in an interview a few years ago of 30-year-olds of the top skill young adults which they've been taught is how to budget. Mm. And I say that because it's a habit as much as, so knowledge and understanding is important, but, but habits are key. And here's the crazy thing, our money-saving habits are formed by the age of seven. So how, how you build these habits is important. So I always think you need to have awareness, which is kind of what, Annabelle and Jason were talking about, small actions, baby steps, mm -hmm. and then accelerate. And I'd like to give you two examples. So I got this Instagram message from a friend uh, over the, the holidays, and she said this, I'll read it to you. Hi, Rob, finally sorted out my pension contributions post-maternity leave and our pension scheme changing today. Thought about your TEDx talk we watched and ensuring our future. Also made easier by currently not paying for commuting. I have gifted my future self the match contributions that company ABC match. Thanks for the ongoing financial education. Hope you and the family are well. So she's 31 years old, and I then worked through her and said, do you know how much that 150 pounds she's giving? By the way, Simone, she lives just around the corner from you, that you're saving from commuting, your company matching, and how much that will be worth. That simple decision mm -hmm. is worth 650,000 pounds when she is 65, and it just blew her mind. Yeah. And here's the thing, most people don't understand the value of, of pensions. I, I also want to tell you one other story which is linked to the, the, the drilling down. So I'll change his name. So this is a real, real friend of mine from school. He lives in Mexico uh, and he was running a Teach English program schools in Mexico. As you imagine, COVID hit, completely did. He went into what I call radical budgeting mode. He cut his expenses by 70%. He moved house, he took his kids out of school, and he's completely re-pivoted his business. And I think one of the things that people need to learn, people often say, I can't afford to cut any money. I have not met a person where I haven't sat down and gone through and gone, 
Netflix account, Amazon Prime account, Spotify mm -hmm. account, magazine subscription, gym subscription. I will stick my neck out here and say, I think I could take 10 to 20% of people's personal financial expenses out mm -hmm. quite simply. And so we have these mental blocks that we need to overcome in addition to the stuff that's been talked about. That's really interesting you said that because I've been um, obviously sitting down with mortgage advisors and um, with uh, in-house mortgage advisors and with um, external financial advisors and they always go through these things They say look let's look at your monthly expenditure do you need this is it, you know and it, it's not you know to say oh you shouldn't be doing these things but can you afford to do these on a long-term basis and you're absolutely right you know this is a, a kind of key you know can you afford to borrow can you afford to spend um, I guess it's uh, a good point to, to bring Ewan in here. Um, Ewan, I saw you nodding quite a lot during uh, the discussion on budgeting and saving more in order to have more, to keep more. Absolutely. I mean, I, I completely concur with what's been said. I mean, I think one of the words for me of this year, I mean, let's face it, this has been a tumultuous year. Mm. I think the word unprecedented has, has become an understatement, to say the least. I think my word of the year would be resilience. And I think in the context of this conversation, you know, it certainly taught me and many of our customers the importance of financial resilience. You know, this this crisis happened really quickly. It caught many people off guard, probably caught all of us off guard, quite honestly. And so, you know, I completely concur with the point Annabelle made at the start. You know, people do need to have a, an emergency buffer uh, account. I mean, I think the rule of thumb is typically three months, as, as she said. Um, you know, what we've seen in the market this year is really quite interesting. There's been a real shift away from traditional fixed rates, for example, towards uh, easy access rates. And I think what people are doing is they're consciously trading off maybe a slightly higher yield for that accessibility and, and flexibility. And that, and that certainly comes through uh, in, in, in the market figures. Um, I mean, we surveyed uh, 2,000 people over the summer and nine out of 10 right? Nine out of 10 believe that a rainy day fund is important. And yet most people probably haven't got one. So I think that would be my my key thing. I mean, on, on, the, on the habits thing, again, I completely concur with, with Rob. I think, you know, habits are formed early, but even, you know, as adults can form good habits. I mean, just mm -hmm. two things really, for, particularly for people who've already got some money, I guess. You know, if you are on an introductory rate, right, for 12 months, you know, make a diary note, when that rate expires and then shop around. Your rate is almost certainly gonna fall dramatically. So shop around at that point. I mean, the top tip would be, if you've got a fixed rate bond, you know, your provider is obliged to give you a, a, a reminder before you're maturing. Again, take action. Don't just default into what could be a lower rate. And so, yeah, back to Rob's point really, just you know, take ownership, and form some really good habits. And that, that would be my kind of top resolutions for 2021 in the context of building financial resilience. Hmm, absolutely. And, and you saw that actually a lot of people's sort of resilience um, last year in, in 2020 was to sort of hunker down, um, to, to, to sort of run and hide. Um, should we be sort of hunkering down in, in, in 2021, in, in this year? Do we... <laughs> do, do we should we be looking to borrow or to, to budget you and can I can I stick with you should, should we look to borrow this year in 2021 I mean the, the rates are low but should we just just not <laughs> I mean it's really yeah, I know it's it's really hard to generalize on this one I mean ev everyone's going to be different I mean undoubtedly you know borrowing 
is attractive in the sense that interest rates are at record low levels. I mean, let's remind ourselves, base rate is 0.1%. There's even talk of negative rates. So, you know, in one sense, the cost of borrowing has never been easier. Of course, it's not just the cost, is it? It's about your future economic outlook and your ability to sustain those repayments. So I think, you know, certainly it is quite attractive for, for, for many people. I think for first-time buyers, if I was to pick on that group, for example, um, you know, what is their biggest pain point? Well, their biggest pain point is how do I raise money for a deposit? So even before I get to borrowing, right, I've got to find the deposit. Um, of course, low interest rates, you know, don't exactly help um, savers. But again, it's back to that habit point, isn't it? You know, back to Rob's book about, you know, acorns. You know, you may have a lower yield than you've been used to historically, but you can, through regular saving, build up that um, that cash deposit that, that, that you need. So I think that would be my kind of steer on on, um, on on the asset side. I think on the saving side, again, I keep coming back to it, but habits are key. You know, if you've got a, a, a mobile app on your current account, for example, you know, it's dead easy to view any surplus cash. You know, sweep the money away on, on the eve of payday, right? sweep that surplus cash into a savings account set up a regular standing order you know you really can take action and as a point was made earlier you know little and often over a long period of time makes a huge difference yeah i'm going to bring annabelle in here because uh, the aic has for many years talked about uh, as has everyone the virtue of regular savings and compound interest and pound cost averaging and um, it's a really good idea perhaps even if you put a small amount away each month it still builds up doesn't it Annabelle? It is a really great idea. It, you can put away £50 a month and you invest that and the great thing about pound cost averaging is that you buy more shares when share prices are low, you buy less when they're high so over the long term it really works in your favour and um, for example you know we have a lot of people investing something like £50 a month a lot of them are investing for their children or perhaps for university fees or all for themselves. And it does add up £50 a month over 18 years in the average investment company gives you just over £34,000. I mean, mm. that is quite impressive. You've obviously invested £10,800 but you've ended up with over £34,000. And it's a great discipline because that money goes into that investment before it hits your account and you spend it. Absolutely. Um, Rob, I, know, I can see you doing some sort of calculations there. And de definitely in your book, you know, you talk about taking two uh, out of every 10 acorns, saving them and then watching them grow. Um, let, let, let's talk a little bit about that, that growth now. Yeah, well, look, just building on Annabelle's point and maybe referring to the other point about debt or invest. I, I always use it with younger people. I use the analogy of a smartphone. So people say I'm terrible at budgeting. But when you commute to work, you see people are brilliant budgeters with their smartphone. Your smartphone tells you when you've got 20 percent less battery and automatically reduces the battery power of the apps are using. And then it goes to red when it's 10 percent. And most of us, if you get nervous, carry a spare battery. And so. For me, the question of whether you borrow or should be saving or investing depends where you are on your battery. So visualize your financial resilience as a, as a smartphone battery. If it's fully topped up, it's green, you're fully charged, great opportunity to be doing pensions and lices. If you're kind of down at amber and every month you're bubbling up and down, your number one goal is to get to green. And that's really Annabelle's suggestion 
of one to three months of saving. That's how you build financial resilience. I promise you, your mental resilience, your personal well-being, your well-being of your family and your kids will go up uh, when, when, when you do this. But one of the, the things I like to do is teach young professionals how to buy a home in 10 years. And, mm -hmm. and here's the crazy thing, right? So actually, if you could afford to have the deposit on a home, owning a house on mortgage is cheaper than renting. The problem is you can't get to that thing. So often, I, I, was just, I just came off the phone this morning to someone who's just taken out a mortgage and they're saying, the crazy thing is I'm paying less on my mortgage than when I was renting. The problem is how do I get there? That's why Bank of Mum and Dad is such a popular funding vehicle. So, Simone, tell me your vice, your daily vice. Mine used to be a coffee on the train station every morning going into work. My daily vice? I don't really have daily spending vices. Or weekly. Um, I, I do take out newspaper subscriptions. So, um, and I do have a British Museum um, thing which I haven't been able to use this year but I keep it because I can offset it as it's a charitable expense so my accountant offsets it <laughs> and um, although I haven't used it this year because of Covid I think of it as a charitable donation. Well so. you're, you're very very good at being uh, this mine might be a coffee or having lunch at work the big one is lunch at work the amount of people who that spend is a big one, yeah. 10 yeah. pounds a day or more at a I'm not going to name a company, but you, you can imagine where you might go. So £10 or more on food, that's 50 quid a week. So let's say times that by 50, that's two and a half grand. So you take that two and a half grand and I say multiply by that 10, that's £25,000. And then I say multiply that by 1.25 and that's £31,000. And then I say multiply that by one and a half and that's £46,000. And that's how much, if you gave up your lunch at work, you could have in deposit 10 years from now, magic. Mm -hmm. So how did I do that? So that one was the habit of spending 10 pound a day on lunch or breakfast or coffees, which you could change your habit and routine and do that. Yeah. And, and that, that is the two and a half grand, that's the 25 grand, but we've almost doubled that. So if you put that into a LISA, the government literally gives you free money. It gives you 25p for every pound. So that's why I multiplied by 1.25 to get to uh, to get to the 31,000 pounds. And then I multiplied by one and a half. And Annabelle talked earlier about investing in stocks and shares and pound cost averaging. The average long-term 10-year rolling return from invested in global equities is over 7%. And the rule of 71 says with the rule... With that, you can double your money every 10 years. So the first year you double, and the last year you only earn 7%. So on average, you grow your money by about 50%. So the, the cost of your £10 a day lunch is actually a £46,000 deposit on a house 10 years from now. That doesn't mean you should change your mind, but understand that it's not even, it's costing you more than £10. So how important is buying a home? And it's just reframing this notion that says, yeah. I can never afford to get on the property ladder. And I go, let me show you, let me show you how. But that's the growing, that there's some brilliant pensions and licenses incentivize you to take long-term investments uh, and then invest in stocks and shares. And that's how you create that compound growth. Here's the crazy thing. If you leave it for another 10 years, it's worth 90,000 pounds. Yeah, exactly. And, and this is the power of pensions. And Jason was... Um you know, bang on the money when we said auto enrollment has really helped a lot of people to save just by uh, 
by default. But let's talk about the education angle and how workplaces perhaps can do more to help encourage people to perhaps save more. Definitely. And as I said before, I think the workplace is a natural place where this can sit. So financial wellness really super high on the agenda of all workplace pension providers at the moment. And people are doing stuff to help. Uh, I think that certainly for the most part at the moment, most pension providers are still in the education and guidance piece, opposed to offering tools and solutions that can actually help people save more. You know, it's already a big stretch for some people that they're already now paying 5% of their salary each month into a pension. And nobody's knocking the value of that and the long-term returns. Obviously, it's what we all should be doing. We did a piece of research a couple of years ago uh, just before we reached the 5% cap on the 2019 AE increases. And we worked out that on someone's average, average income for an average person in the UK with average outgoings, most people are left with £326 a month as disposable income. Now, when you take then take out their, their 5% pension contribution, which they'd be paying, that was actually 21% of your disposable income each month, which is obviously a huge amount for someone who's particularly in a lower earning bracket and already struggling with finances. So people think they can't afford to save, but actually most people can. I think as Rob was already highlighting too, um, and there are some great tools and apps and, and certain digital services now that can help on that. Um, there are so many AI powered or machine learning powered tools now that using open banking and open finance technology can understand your spending habits. They know how much you get paid each month. They know how much you spend each month and they're able to then track your spending pattern and history over one, three, six month periods. And they're able to predict and understand what you're likely to spend each week or each month. And when you don't spend as much, they suggest you can save a little bit. So there's a particular app that I absolutely love. And as part of the work on Benefits Guru, I've reviewed about 70 of these apps over the last couple of years. Um, some of them I've kept using myself because they've, they've actually turned out to be really good. And I always, uh, I always reference a great app called Chip. Um, and Chip does exactly like I was just explaining. You link it up to your bank account. Every, every three or four days, you'll get a little notification saying, okay, we think you can afford, afford to save 12 pounds today or 17 pounds a day. And it's what it's doing is it's turning traditional spending on its head. I think as a culture, we've always grew up to, to learn and we've been, learned and been taught rather that savings should be one large amount, one large amount uh, a specific point in time. So normally on payday, transferring a substantial amount of your salary into a savings account. Now for most people that just doesn't work because by the time it gets to week three of your pay period, you're a bit short. So you're like, well, that 250 pounds I put into savings, I'll take hundred pounds of that back. Using some of the digital services that look at where you're spending your money and then can tell you, or you can make a small save here, a small save there, it's genuinely uh, money that you don't normally miss. You know, it's like the equivalent of a quick glass of wine um, after work one night or that takeaway lunch in the office. So I think turning people's behaviour patterns on understanding spending uh, is really working. And certainly for me, I, I did a case study for Chip uh, about a year ago, pre-COVID. And genuinely, I think it was something about £3,200 I saved in the course of a year. And that was just you know, £11 on Monday, 18 pounds on Wednesday, 
stuff you don't really miss, but over time, that really, really accumulates. Now that's all obviously just in cash, uh, cash holdings effectively in, in like bank accounts. So it's not them being invested as like Annabelle was talking about. But once you, I think, can embed into people's cultures, the ability they can save, um, work through that financial plan. So, you know, get your financial emergency cash fund in place, pay off debt where you can, and then you can start saving. And that's where, you know, then not only are you able to potentially increase your pension contributions, but also then be able to add to other savings vehicles as well. Excellent. Yeah, definitely. Let's talk a little bit more about um, technology. Ewan, let's, let's bring you in here on, on tech. And Yeah, I just, I, mean, I completely concur with this debate about habits and, and the importance of regular saving. So, you know, I, I absolutely get that. I guess what I wanted just to switch it to as well was, you know, a lot of people, particularly older people, of course, have already got, you know, a lot of money. And if you look at the way that the savings market is, you know, is constructed in this country. You know, the, the vast majority of deposits, let's face it, are still sat with with the main banks. Uh, you know, most people probably still have their savings account alongside their their current account. And you know, alongside resilience, another big feature of the UK market is is inertia. Right? People are just for whatever reason they're they're ignorant, they're lazy, they um, they just don't make you know uh, the the connection between what sh uh, shopping around and, and getting a better deal. And so I think where technology is important is the reality is that, you know, getting a better deal is literally a few clicks away. You know, you can open fund and get you up and running in a, in a matter of minutes. And I think this, this idea of, oh, it's too much hassle, it'll take too long, I've got to make an appointment. No, it's just false. It's just a perception. You, you can earn a better rate in 10 minutes, right? That's the reality. So a bit like, you know, saving X pounds on a coffee or something, you know, can you find 10 minutes in your day on New Year's Day, right? What, what are you going to be doing on New Year's Day, right? I don't know, but you you can probably find ten minutes to uh, open an account and, and move that money across. The, the other thing I was going to say as well is there's been quite a growth in um, marketplaces and and platforms. You know, they are uh, typically aimed at sort of slightly higher higher net worth client because what they do is they allow you to access a whole range of, of providers and, and spread your money. But again, it's super convenient because you open one account. Okay, again, it's probably a 10 minute exercise. Um, and then that money can be spread probably automatically across a number of providers. And uh, we haven't talked about FSCS yet on this call, but of course, you know, for some of the older depositors who've got, you know, lumpy investments, um, spreading it for, for deposit protection is also important. But Yes, I'm a great believer in apps. Yes, I'm a great believer in regular savings. But let's not also forget that just some simple online account opening, you know, a better rate is a few clicks away. Absolutely. Um, just a few clicks away. Rob, can we come to you and look at um, maybe some sort of apps that help you not just uh, save, but diversify? Because, you know, as you sort of mentioned, you've got to spread that risk. Now, he was talking about the FSCS protections on cash, but... We've also got to spread the risk uh, in a diverse way when it comes to investments. So are there sort of apps or technology that can help you do that? Yeah, well, so uh, as, uh, as we just heard actually from you, and I, and I actually use one of those uh, bank account apps you talked about. I, I mainly use it for the FSCS limit, but also to automatically get the rates. Uh, and, and my mum and dad used to be have shop around for all the rates and have a spreadsheet and, and as, a, as a small child I think I had about five or ten bank accounts because my parents got me to I think it was called uh, carpet bagging at the time but you know when pre pre all the the listings of the building societies 
When it comes to diversifying your investments, the truth is most adults don't save and invest in equities apart from via a workplace pension. And when you ask them, they don't feel like they're invested in the stock market. This is this is why the kind of financial education is so important because people don't feel like they're participating in the global economy. They don't feel like they own shares in Amazon, in JP Morgan, in Apple, in HSBC, BMW, VW, whatever whatever that is. I, th look, the reality is there are robo-advisors. Again, uh, I, I, I use one as well for my LISA. Uh, and they automatically spread your risk according to your risk appetite. So you answer a series of questions and you put in some stuff and it helps you. But the FCA just did a study and only 1.3% of adults in the UK use those. I mean, the, the stats around how many people invest in equities, not including a workplace pension, is really, really low. And for women, it's even worse. If you look at stats around ISAs and unit trusts, their proportion in cash rather than in equities is is very very high and that here's the problem the average man in the uk will run out of money 10 years before he dies and the average woman will run out of money 12 and a half years before she dies and that's because well a women live longer b they when they if they go on maternity leave they tend to miss out on those pensions contributions and when they pick their own investment choices they tend to take less risk and the the, the biggest issue is that in order to achieve the outcomes we need to achieve in the long run, you need to be taking more investment risk, not less. And yet, behaviorally, the roller coaster stops us uh, from doing that. And you know, the data out from the Investment Association just shows what happened to net inflows over March as markets fall. It, it, you know, it's human behavior. The markets fall and people panic, people draw out their money and go to cash. Uh, so I know that's not quite the answer you were looking for because there are tools, but not many people are using them. No, and I think you're absolutely right. There is a big educational piece here. And I know the AIC has been really uh, pushing a sort of an educational um, discourse around 2019 and then last year in 2020. So, Annabelle, yes, moving on to you. Rob's made a very interesting point about technology, as has uh, everyone. What would you say from the AIC's perspective? I completely agree with Rob and Ewan. And also, it's a very interesting point. We haven't got a culture of investing in stocks and shares in this country. We don't take enough risk. And as a result, our savings suffer. Um, we were talking about technology. I like investing in technology. It has been a phenomenal year for technology. We have relied on it. It's been a lifeline for us to work, to shop, to live. Technology and media is our second best performing sector for investment companies this year. Wouldn't you want to be invested in that growth? If you didn't want to, if you were concerned about perhaps putting it all in technology, perhaps you should look at something like a global fund, a sensible sort of start for an investor, which would have some access to tech, the big tech companies like Amazon, like Microsoft. You know, we're all talking about them. We're all using them wouldn't you want to be invested? Absolutely. Um, Annabelle, that's a very pertinent point. And I, I quite liked what you also said about uh, a sensible starting point. Um, if we can just sort of, you know, maybe wrap up this podcast, if, if you could give me sort of one sentence that you could encourage advisors to help their clients teach their children to make a sensible start with their money, what would that be? For me, I sit down with my children and I talk to them about money and I give them pocket money and they have their experience of uh, managing their money. 
And for me, I think it is about talking to your children about money. Seeing you manage your own money gives them the right message. Absolutely. Uh, Jason, you're nodding there. Yeah, I think go back to the absolute basics. Teach children what income, expenditure and debt is. They're the three key principles, I think, for any of us managing our, our funds. Um, you know, teach them what a bank loan is, teach them how interest rates work, show them how to open a bank account. Uh, I pick it up on Annabelle's point on the pocket money for children. Get an app like Go Henry, fantastic app that the, that the parent manages, but the children have, an, uh, have the access to the app on their own um, smart devices as well. Pocket money gets paid into that electronically. They get their own little debit visa card with it. And from a very young age, it teaches children how to budget, how to have better financial education and how to you know, look after their finances, hopefully in the long term. Excellent. Thank you very much. Rob, I can see you you nodding there. Apart from everyone buying your books, save your acorns, what, what other useful things can parents do to help their children make good money intentions this year? Well, I think we've covered the earn it bit and we've covered the keep it bit with the, the Go Henry and so forth. Just on the grow it bit, you know, you could start a pension for your child. And here's the crazy thing. You start a pension from birth and put £5 a day and then leave it until they're age 10. And the magic of the free contributions from the government and compound interest will mean it'll be worth a million pounds by the time they're 65. And if you can't afford to put £5 a day, even a small amount, and get aunties and uncles and cousins and everyone else to contribute, and then on the journey, you can start teaching them to invest in stock markets. That's very impressive. I, I should have done that. But my child does have a, a junior ISA, which is invested. Annabelle will be happy to know in investment trusts. Uh, you and over to you. OK, uh, savings is cool. Saving is a virtue. Um, it's not boring. It's important. And as Annabelle said, you know, children will mimic and watch their parents. So, you know, those habits are critical. Shop around and take ownership. You know, don't be a victim. Take ownership. Shop around. Savings is cool. Don't be a victim, shop around, savings is cool. That is a really, really good thing for this year. 2021 advisors, savings is a cool thing to do. Right, uh, thank you ever so much. I just want to thank my uh, wonderful panelists, Annabelle, you and Rob and Jason for taking part and to thank you for listening. Uh, for now, let's have some good money intentions and keep to them this year. Join Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin for a new edition of the Capital Ideas Podcast. In unscripted conversations with investment professionals, you'll hear real stories about successes and lessons learned, informed by decades of investment experience. It's your look inside one of the world's largest asset managers. New episodes are available monthly. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Invest 30 minutes in an episode today. Published by American Funds Distributors, Inc. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com.